to achieve that level of success, you have to become it. You can't just do it. It's you, everything about you. You wake up thinking about being the captain of the football team, being the best player you can be. What do I got to put my body to heal? How can I make it to Sunday? What am, you know, what do I have to study? So everything about you is about becoming that goal, not achieving a goal. Welcome to What's Next with Eric Wood, where we will prepare you to make your what's next in life your best yet. Our next guest is Nick Hardwick. And Nick is a former Pro Bowl center. He's been on the podcast before. Go back and listen to episode nine specifically, and you'll hear all about his career journey, and we catch up on so many things. In this episode, we're going to talk of some football stuff. It'd be hard to avoid as two former NFL centers, but we're going to focus in on his health and fitness journey and his Lose Like a Lineman program now that will give you some practical advice to get in the proper shape, to get that weight loss that you're looking for in your life. If you enjoy this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe to help spread the impact we hope to have. Thank you to everyone, especially on Spotify, who has been rating it on there. Those ratings are going up uh, in number and also many five stars on there. Thank you so much for that. That helps in a big way. And it's because of you, we are getting to make more impact out there. Enjoy the episode. Nick, welcome back on the show, brother. Hey, thanks, Eric. Always good to join you and always fun to follow you and everything you got going on. I, I love, I love your life and I love what you're doing. Well, likewise, man. And, um, as someone, we talked about this last time, but as someone just a little further along, your kids are a little bit older than mine. You were a little bit further in the NFL than me. You lost the weight first. You're someone who I've always followed along closely behind. So, um, I want to honor you in that way. And as I dig in on all the different realms, it started off as football interviews and you were number nine on the podcast of one of the first 10 guests. But now as we dig in and it was time to kind of have it on another health and wellness expert, I thought no one better than Nick Hardwick and you have some things going on. We'll get to that in a minute, but as OTAs are starting around the country right now, is there ever a part of you that still misses it? Oh gosh. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like physiologically our clocks get set. So there's always a time in January and February where I seem to get depressed when we would get put out of the playoffs and the season was over. I still get that same two week, three week depression that I just know is coming now, which is I'm thankful for. I can plan ahead. I know it's coming. All right, we'll ride this wave out and then we'll get back going again. And then OTAs start kicking up and you like, naturally I just start lifting a little heavier and I start training a little harder for absolutely zero reason other than I think it's time to start fighting again. And then we'll take a little month off here. And then once OTAs mini camp season kind of wraps up and then I start naturally getting like a little aggressive when the season starts rolling around. So thankful for me, I'm coaching high school football now. So I kind of, I get that itch out a little bit. And uh, yeah, I do miss it. I was actually scheduled to go to the Colts OTAs tomorrow. My I'm neighbors with the Colts general manager, Chris Ballard. And so I get to go uh, visit them and my old coach, Frank Reich. And so it'll be fun. Get, yeah. get a little taste of it, but I don't get the pain. 
Yeah, no doubt about it. And uh, yeah, I'm scheduled to go up to Buffalo as well. So it'll, it'll feel more real when I get up there for sure yeah. in a couple of weeks when I'm going to go check out OTAs as well. But I appreciate your vulnerability there. And that's funny. I'm going to pay more attention to my kind of rhythms of life throughout the year. I remember my first year out of the league. So I find out that my career is over and it's kind of this traumatic event. But then after the season, like you said, you're you're upset about getting knocked out of the playoffs. Your body feels terrible. We just had our second kid. And so there was so much going on that, you know, it didn't fully set in until I saw pictures of them up at OTAs for the first time without me. So for the first time in five years, I wasn't a captain and kind of leading the charge during that time. For the first time in a decade, I wasn't there. And that's when it first hit me like, whoa, they truly are moving on without me. There wasn't this, hey, can you come talk at the start of OTAs and really get the guys going? Like, they just (laughs) moved on. And that's when it first kind of hit me like, all right, you're no longer a part of this. Like I am truly just – and even not even at that time, but now I'm truly the radio guy. That's it, exactly right. And there's a journey song that I remember when I got hurt at one point during my career, the backup center took over and man, they just kept going and there was no slowing down. Nobody even really cared. You're just rehabbing on your own and all that. And the journey song, the wheel in the sky keeps on turning just hit me and it's stuck with me forever. And it's like, man, this, it really does just keep on moving. Like it's a factory. They, they loved your work. They appreciated your work, but they move on because they have to. And then that just means you have to move on. But I tell you, like I went through an NFL, I became a certified NFL transition coach to help other guys transition out. It took me up until this last year of training, going through that to realize what that feeling was. And it was the first time in my life that I was truly heartbroken Mm. that I had, I had left my friends. I had left my job. I couldn't go train. There was no common goal, no mission, no passion. It was like, I'm just out here by myself and you guys are just in there and I can't come visit whenever I want. It stinks. It was heartbreaking. Yeah. That's great. You did that. I, I recently did some EMDR work and brain spotting and the guy who I did that work with Dr. Armando Gonzalez he'll be a podcast guest in the next few weeks and it it, it truly was game changing for me his organization's called the cheat code and they help you process many things in your life and I thought truly we were just going to go around traumatic events from my childhood and he brought up my career ending and I said yeah you know that that was traumatic but there's so much kind of more I want to dig in on he said I don't think you're truly accepting what happened that you worked your whole life for something and it got ripped out from you. Like until you process that fully, I I don't know that you're going to be able to move on and fully accept it and, and be able to, you know, fully just be around the game until you accept that. I'm like, no, no, I love being around the game. He's like, I bet you do because part of you still has your foot in there, but yes, you could appreciate right. it so much more and you can love on the, like you can love everything about it so much more once you fully accept it. So that's, that's interesting. You said that, like you, it, it took you years to figure out that years. you were truly heartbroken. Yeah. Uh, 100%. It took years to figure out what happened and all that. And it was, it was super cool. So every week, this group of coaches would get together and there would be team clinicians, the psychiatric clinicians from all the different ball clubs would come and they were experts in their field and they would present a two hour course to us every single week. And sometimes we'd have to take breaks in the middle. It's like, Holy crap, this is heavy stuff. Like I'm going to go over here and cry for a minute. I just, you don't even realize how you're affected until 
it, it just like gets all stirred up. So it was super profound experience for me. And it really did just help with overall acceptance of like where you're at. The other thing that I think really helped me was I turned 40 this year. And I don't know, it just seemed like at 40, I was like, I'm, I'm good. Like, I, I obviously can't do it anymore. I wouldn't want to do it anymore, just based on how I feel when I wake up in the morning. And I'm really happy for the guys that are still doing it and having, a, having the time of their lives. And I hope they get the experience somewhat close to what we experienced and get fulfilled and gratified. But at the, at the end of it, I also know that it's going to be a tough transition, no matter how successful your career was or how, I guess, if you view it as unsuccessful, it's still either way, it's going to be difficult in its own way. Yeah, no doubt about it. And we can sit there and beat ourselves up for, for feeling heartbroken or feeling depression or whatever it may be, because it's just a game, you know, it's just a game, but it's, it's a way of life. That was our career. That's something we strive for our entire lives. And then you get there and I'm with you. I, I can see like turning 40 it, it, for me, especially that'd be in four years. Like I wouldn't have played likely till I was 40. And so that would be a time when, even if the, the neck injury didn't happen. And for those that didn't listen to Nick on the last episode, we both had career ending neck injury. So we couldn't go back, which is a true blessing. So you, there's no second guessing your decision, your career's ended for you. And we talked about how we hated when people would say, man, you made the right decision. Like, no, no, no. I wanted to keep playing, but <laughs> yeah. the decision was made for me, but you can give yourself some grace in those moments knowing that it was over. But at age 40, I probably wouldn't want to play anyways, but I did a speaking event on Sunday. And as I started it off, I said, look, in my mind, where I should be at in life is not here on this stage. Like I should be prepping for another NFL season. God had different plans for me. And I'm extremely grateful for this opportunity to speak for, to you, but understand this was not my plan. And so, yes, I may not know anything about selling water pumps, but let me share some experiences with you because yeah, I didn't want to, I didn't necessarily want to be on this stage um, in, in these circumstances. So, but at yeah. 40, I feel like maybe I would have been like, I don't think I'd pull an Andrew Whitworth. So oh. I can maybe be a little bit more at peace from it, but I, I want to ask you Andrew all the time. But I think when he was out there, I was like, I just, I tried to put myself in his body. And I was wondering, what do you feel like when you wake up in the morning, Andrew, what do you feel like? Cause I, I know Andrew, I get to spend good time with him. He's a great guy. And I'm super happy that he got to win a super bowl after all those years and all that effort and, and really just being an awesome dude. So super happy that he got to do that. At the same time, I'm like, man, what's he going to feel like when he's 50? Right. Yeah. What's it, he feel it, like now? Yeah. And, and, and so the week of the Super Bowl, he came on the podcast and we talked about that. And, you know, it's kind of a blessing for him. And it, this is the way NFL people talk. It was kind of a blessing that he got that MCL injury because it gave him some time off. But your MCL is not going to, like, wreck your season. So he got a few weeks off right. before the playoffs. So it almost recharged him for that last kind of oh, yeah. first to the Super Bowl. And then you get a week off in between the – NFC championship in the Super Bowl. But isn't it funny how we talk like, yeah, luckily he got an MCL injury so he could recover a little <laughs> bit. Like normal people, I don't want to say normal people, for most of society, you get an MCL injury and it wrecks your life for months. It, yeah. For NFL guys, it's like, well, was it grade two or less? Because that's only two or three weeks. Because <laughs> come on, what a blessing. He just gets a break. Exactly. Well, the, rest of it, the rest of his body gets to heal up and all that. Hey, I want to go back to something that you said you were talking about. Oh, you, 
you know, you poor thing, you got to play a game for a living, you know, but here's the one thing that I, I hope some people really understand. And I know a lot of people that listen to your podcast are just super successful in all of, in different areas of life, even if they weren't professional athletes, right. To be as successful as we were, you can't just be Eric Wood that plays football, right? Like you got to be Eric Wood, the football player. You got to be the captain of the Bills. Like to to achieve that level of success, you have to become it. You can't just do it. It's you. Everything about you, you wake up thinking about being the captain of the football team, being the best player you can be. What do I got to put in my body to heal? How can I make it to Sunday? What am, you know, what do I have to study? So everything about you is about becoming that goal, not achieving a goal. And I think that's, you know, something that people can take away. And it is dangerous because then when you transition out, it's a lot harder because not only do you have to find something to do? You have to find something else to become. So right. that's, I think the biggest struggle in transition is identity. Identity sets your purpose. It helps you make decisions. And when you can solve that, then life's good again. And you've done that. I've been able to do that. Thankfully, a lot of guys struggle to refine an identity because, Hey, you can't be a football player your whole life. It doesn't work. Right. Man, that is so good. And that was so well said. And, and honestly, I hadn't thought about it in that manner before. So I appreciate that. That NFL transition coaching program obviously served you well, unless that was something you had on the front end uh, of that experience. But I want to ask you, so you complete the, that training. And so now you're, you're, you're suited to serve um, that community of, of NFL players transitioning out. And I'll be honest, when I started this podcast, it was all about I'm, I'm literally allowing people to help me coach me through this transition. That's why you were one of the first 10 guests. All I would say of the first 15 or 20 guests, they were literally all on there. So I could ask them questions about trans certain transitions in their life, no matter what it may have been. And so that's why you were on there, but now you have this program behind you. So when I'm talking to guys that are currently playing in the NFL, I'll generally tell them, do not get overly concerned with the transition out of the NFL. My advice would be give it all you have so that for two reasons, one, so that you can walk away with the game with no regrets about the effort you put in. And then two, because for a lot of people, the transition is hard if they didn't make enough money or they didn't protect their money and you're never going to make that type of money again. So don't be too worried about these real estate deals. Don't be too worried about this broadcast gig like that will come in time, but you're never going to likely make the type of money you're making in the NFL. And right. if you start worrying about your transition too early, you'll probably get there sooner than you want to. <laughs> That's true. Am, am I am I missing something in that advice? Because I don't want to be off when I'm telling guys that. I don't think so. I, I really don't think so. I think, you know, it's think back to when you were in and guys were like getting in year six, year seven, and they're starting to get a little bored. And they're like, well, I kind of got this taken care of. And I want to start focusing on some other things. And they start thinking about retirement. I guess my advice would be the grass isn't greener on the other side. Right. You know, it is great. Once you fully transition out, life is great. And it's a blessing. And waking up every single day with my family and kids, it's, it's really awesome. But soak this up. Just like you said, make the most of this because it, it doesn't get better, boys. 
it, it's not going to get better than right now. Like this with your buddies, the goal, the purpose, the passion, like it's, it doesn't get better. I think back to some guys that I played with that, and, you know, being the, the center and the captain, like you had to be a part-time cheerleader no for doubt. your offensive linemen. There was guys on there that are disgruntled every day or grumpy and they didn't like going to practice. It's like, Oh, I got to do this. Oh, sure. You're going to call that play. It's like, can we just go out to practice and treat it like recess and have fun and work our butts off? And like, can you quit complaining? That would be great. But I wonder if those guys look back at their career with regret that, man, I sure do wish I enjoyed that process more instead of wishing that this was over and the pain would end. And it's like, no, no, no. It's kind of like fight club, you know, this stay in your pain, right? Stay right here. This is where you want to be, be, be in this moment. Cause you're going to wish you had it back at some point. So I don't think you're missing it. I, there, I guess a bunch of different philosophies like you got to prepare for the transition, but I guess there's, you have time in your transition and we're really lucky. We played a long time. We made a good amount of money, saved our money. We're responsible, not afraid to work when you're done. And so I understand that maybe it's a little different than guys who came in and played a year or two, but there are so many services and there's so much time that you have to go back to school to get an education to find out what you really are passionate about instead of just, you know, hey, I'm going to go get my real estate license in the offseason or I'm going to go work on this. Like, if you truly know what you, you want to do, maybe set yourself up and get some certifications or whatever is required. Sure. But if you don't, like, just focus, just right. stay focused, keep the main thing the main thing because you're right. You, most guys, like 99% of guys aren't making as much money out of the league than they are in the league. And that's certainly been true for me. And I am totally good with that. Yep, absolutely. I love what you talked about. We got to be the cheerleader. And I used to tell people at the start of training camp, I would talk about half as much and, and be kind of hooting and hollering about half as much for the first couple of days. And I'd be like, I'll see you guys on day three. When you guys get <laughs> sore and tired and everyone's now grumpy, like that's when I come alive. That's when I'm really going to start messing with you guys. And I'll remember each and every one of you that wanted to like break down the huddle the first day and they're yelling and screaming when they make a play, like, what are you going to be like day three, day four, day five, day 20 of training camp? What are you going to be like then? And that's when I'd really start to get under guys skin. And that's, but that's when I found my value because I felt like I could show up each and every day consistent. And some days it takes more caffeine than others but i could show up each and <laughs> but every you day. did it yeah but i was gonna show up but i want to transition a little bit and talk about the coaching work you're doing in in the health and fitness and in, in specifically in weight loss and so yep. um i've heard it said that you're most powerfully suited to serve those in a position that you once were as two former offensive linemen we played above 300 pounds or right around it and we've both lost a lot of weight you've lost more weight than I have and you've stayed more consistent I probably have more weekend vendors uh than you have you more do. fun than me maybe but and, you're big, and, and honestly you've got a bigger frame than me too so you got bigger shoulders bigger hands bigger bones I mean so sure. yeah we're all but different all that being said you create this lose like a lineman program like what what led you to do this and, and talk to me a little bit about the program yeah. So originally it was, I called it lose like alignment and it was actually five years out of the league. I'd been asked countless times, how'd you lose the weight? 
how, what's the secret? How'd you do it? And it was like, I got tired of sending DMS and little one-off emails or text messages to people kind of outlining the program. And so COVID hit, we had moved back to Indiana. It was two years ago now. And I had so much time and nothing going on. And so I just sat down and on a Google doc, just detailed it. I put it in a program and I said, all right, next person that asks, I'm, I got a link for him. So, Hey, guy asked the first guy that asked John Zenser, he's 53 years old, former football player at university of Pennsylvania, six, three, three twenty five when he wrote me. And I was like, all right, dude, here's the program. And it was just like a simple Google doc. There was nothing fancy, no pictures, nothing. And John's so bare bones though. And I said, Hey, just do me a favor. Check in every month with me. Let me know how you're doing. Just let me see. Let me, let's see how it goes. I want to see if it works for anybody else, but you or, but me. And first month he had lost 30 pounds and then he just kept wow. going. Then he was like, Hey, I want to lose 50 by Christmas. And I want to lose when I get, he just kept going. And then by the time the Super Bowl came around, he made a push and in seven months he had lost hundred pounds. Wow. hundred. So, and he's still over, gosh, it's been over two years almost now he has maintained, or it's been over a year plus he has maintained a hundred pounds of weight loss. So he stays in between 220 and 230 now at 54, 55 years old at this point. So that kind of started it. And as he was going, I got more confidence that it would work for other people. And then I added five, I asked for five more volunteers. And then we had a little group and we started adding a zoom chat in on Sundays and checking in with each other. Those guys were losing like 20 pounds a month, 15 pounds a month. And so I was like, Whoa, this is cool. It's working. Turned it into a ebook. And then we, I got on a podcast that was pretty big and we ended up getting tons of folks in there. And then basically I started a new one called train like alignment because everybody that had lost weight was looking for, you know, not the name of your podcast. What's next? Like, yeah. what do we do now, Nick? What do we do now that we've lost the weight? And I was like, all right, well, we need to start resistance training. We need to start incorporating uh, more food, more calories back into our life. And so I came up with a program called train like alignment, which is now one-on-one -on -one coaching and it's custom nutrition, custom fitness programs based on where they're at in their kind of evolution. So some people have never touched any type of resistance. So we start body weight, then we go to resistance bands and TRXs and add in some dumbbells down the line and other people come in and they've got years of experience lifting weights, but they want something that is a little bit more sustainable, maybe a little gentler for them. So custom everything comes at them. And basically I, I don't want these clients for life. I want to teach them the, the tools and skills that will help them maintain a healthy body for the rest of their life. And I don't think it's overly complicated. I just think you it's consistency. It's enough intensity and then accountability. And that's why people get such great results is they've committed to the process with money, a lot of them, some of them I, I give away, but they commit with money and they make a, put their flag in the ground. Like, here's where I'm getting healthy. And then I get a, the opportunity to hold them accountable and I can track them. I see their numbers. I see their weight. I see how many workouts they're doing, what kind of calories they're eating per day. 
we help problem solve, which is like one of the, the biggest things. Hey, Nick, I got a family event this weekend. What am I going to do? I've got a client dinner. How should I eat? I'm going to this restaurant. Will you look at the menu and pick some food out for me? Sure, I'll do that. You know, like all those things. And so it's, that's been a super, super fun process for me. It's, I just, I like the relationship part of the thing. And when I was doing an ebook, I didn't get enough relationships built to feel like I was making a difference. And now I do feel like I'm making a difference because I actually, I get to know you and I get to help push the buttons that make you tick. So I get, I get to scratch my leadership itch, my coaching itch, and I, I get those interpersonal relationships built, which I thrive on. Yeah. And I can see you light up talking about it. So that's how I know that you're finding some passion in all of this. And I also love that uh, you're teaching them to fish, not just handing them a fish. You know, this is um, from having a, a close friend of mine who has done the program. I understand that it's, it's practical. There's breaks in it. And it's not this and, and, and I think this is appropriate for some, but it's not the 75 hard program that says you can never have a drink for 75 days, two workouts a day, never a cheap meal. Like that's great. And some people need that. And, and right. I think maybe the mental edge that you can get from doing something like that, knowing that you accomplish something like that is probably a little bit better than maybe the physiological and the physical benefits of it. Yes. But it, it's, it's friendly. It, it meets you where you are. And for someone who, like you understand the value of feedback and coaching, having played in the NFL, every step we took, even if it was in a walkthrough, was critiqued. And so you understand the Everything. value of coaching. What would you say to those out there that would say, well, I don't need a coach. I just need to be more disciplined. I think, and this is a common thing, is I'll get on a call with somebody who's considering the program and then I'll tell them the cost and they're hesitant. And I always ask them, I said, well, how's it worked out for you so far? Right. You know, doing it by yourself and being more disciplined. How has that worked out for you so far? Because yeah, you could go learn the information, but without somebody holding you accountable or poking you at the right time and saying, Hey bud, how's everything going? Just checking in, right? A simple thing like that is like, Oh crap. I can't tell you how many clients I have that forget they're on a program. And if you don't check in with them every couple of days, they're like, oh, I forgot I was supposed to be doing this. I forgot that was, you know, like, yeah. And it, to me, the, the coaching is, one, you have to help them navigate through this process. Like there is so much information out there that is conflicting. So do I need to be ketogenic to lose weight? Do I need to eliminate fruit from my diet? Do I have to do vegan? What about this carnivore thing that's coming around? What about the liver king? Is there any merit to that? There's like all this information, right? That's, that's out there that just, it honestly confuses most people. And so I, I think I'm super practical and we live a very normal family existence, like kind of old school family. Hey, we have steak and potatoes. And, and you know, we add that we didn't probably as a kid, we add vegetables. Mm -hmm. I, you can have cereal, you can drink alcohol and lose weight. You go too much down that line. Now you're going to perhaps create some issues. But what I've learned is that too much restriction in people's lives 
always leads to some type of bounce back, right? Yep. So if I say you can't have carbs, okay, it's going to work for a little bit of time. But then what happens is all they're telling themselves as they look at bread is no, 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 no. But it's like, if you're in a relationship and the person that you're in the relationship with keeps talking about their ex, it means they're, they're thinking about their ex all the time. So they've got all this no, 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 no. But what are they doing really? It's like, yes, 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 yes. So there's this ironic rebound that happens. And strangely too, like people that this is just a little science nugget is when you completely eliminate carbohydrates from your life, you become really carbohydrate sensitive when you incorporate it back in up to like 10 times the sensitivity. Wow. So when it does come back, and if you happen to overeat calories and overeat carbohydrates, and you fill up your liver and your muscle, and that's where it's all stored then it spills into the fat so much easier because your body's soaking it up like a sponge. So you've got to be really mindful of what you're doing. And so we do, I, I mean, I encourage all of my clients to take a break every four to six weeks just to live a normal life, to let their body recover. To it maybe is four to six, it's four to six weeks, depending on how much they want to lose, how, where they're starting from. Yeah. Depending on where you're starting from. But I find like, after six weeks, when you've got people that are coming in, that are training, that are pushing themselves really hard, there's a bunch of reasons. They call it diet breaking, but there's a bunch of reasons. One is just to give yourself a rest. So when you're working out really hard, no matter if you're a beginner or advanced, you need to let your body relax to actually make more gains down the line. So it's just pacing yourself appropriately. The other thing is psychologically, you're moving that mental horizon in. So this doesn't seem like an endless process of deprivation that's never going to end, you know, it's so you can, if you know that, hey, every four weeks or every six weeks, I'm going to give myself a break, then you can push yourself harder during that six week or four week window. Because imagine somebody says, Hey, Eric, go run a marathon. You're going to run pretty slow, right? But if they say, Hey, go run a mile, you're probably going to pick up the pace a little bit. Right. So that's where I want to be is, is in those kind of interval dieting almost where you go, you push. And then the other thing that having that little break does is it allows you to build trust with yourself and confidence that I can maintain my weight loss. I can maintain my fitness even through a break, and probably even because of a break, it's going to help me, it's going to benefit me. So I don't have to get so neurotic about it. I don't have to be a maniac every single day going hard. Hey, I can take vacations. And I can realize there is a gym at the hotel if I want it, I don't need it. So I'm not being married to the restriction to the, to the workouts. Like I want this to be a part of your life. I don't need it to be your life. And I'm with you with the, the 75 hard programs and, you know, some of the more firm, rigid structures, like some people do thrive in that space, but I think that has to be a very temporary space. And I would just caution people when you come out of that, be careful that you don't get a rival syndrome you know, because this health and fitness thing, it's, it's a life. This it's not the same thing, like become your goal, don't achieve your goal. So if 
getting 20 pounds off as your goal, that's great, but we need to sustain that for the rest of your life. So let's pace appropriately and then let's build the systems up that allow us to achieve and attain that for life. So we end up just becoming the person who is in a thinner body now. That's it. Are you looking to save time in your busy schedule, but still want to dress like a million bucks? Let Jordan Yoakum with Tom James Company save you time. He can work virtually with anyone in the country and he can provide you clothes that will fit perfectly and give you confidence when you walk into any room. Jordan does everything from dress clothes to casual clothes. Also, wedding season is about to be upon us and Jordan can provide you and your wedding party with clothing that will turn everyone's head. Contact Jordan at Kentucky Clothier on Instagram and let him know that you heard about him on the podcast and he will provide you with a free custom dress shirt when you order your first suit or sport coat. As Deion Sanders said, you look good, you feel good, you play good. Let Jordan take care of that for you. Again, that's Kentucky Clothier on Instagram. Man, there's some really strong takeaways for myself, even personally, becoming your goal, not achieving your goal. That is so spot on. I did a weight loss competition and I know he's going to be listening to this. Josh, I love you to death and I love you just the way you are right now. But he beat me in a four month weight loss competition. But over the next year, I maintained more of it off. And so I lost the bet, but we should have had a stipulation. I'll never do a weight loss or body fat loss bet against somebody again that doesn't have a stipulation that both of us have to maintain it then for the next year or each at least be close to that for the next year. I loved your mental horizon. And and I've talked to people about this. One of, I referenced that speaking gig uh, before earlier. One of my things to them was celebrating victories. And it's a very successful company and it's always to use the term, what's next for them. Okay, you made this many sales. Okay, what's next? What's next? What's next? You need to celebrate from time to time or else it's it's what it's what we dealt with as NFL players. Okay, well, we made a Pro Bowl. Okay, now how many Pro Bowls can I make? Can I make the Hall of Fame? Okay, you made a playoff game. Well, you haven't won a playoff game. Now we won one. Can you get a Super Bowl? How many Super Bowls? Oh, you only won three? <laughs> yeah. So-and-so won four. And it's just this constant. So you have to take these mental breaks. I love the mental horizon. And especially for a time frame, because then it's and, – and when you were saying go run a mile or run a marathon, I was thinking – those college uh, conditioning sessions that they just told you, Hey, we're going to go run one tens today, but didn't tell you how many those were so much harder than if they said, we're going to run 20, which would be in a ton. But if they just said, we're going to run 20, then you'd be like, okay, I can mentally wrap my mind around that. But if you're just going to run and you have no idea when you're going to stop, that would be the hardest. And then the last takeaway that I resonated with completely to the point that I just went through a protocol that wild health does where they do your DNA and everything about you to figure out what diet is best for you. Because for me, I didn't feel great on keto. There's times that I live a balanced diet that I don't feel great, but is that the lack of sleep? We have young kids. Is it stress? Is it... Okay. I just want to be crystal clear because I follow 40 different health and fitness guys <laughs> on Instagram. And some people are calories in calories out. Some people are got to be keto. You mentioned the liver King, which is hilarious to me, uh, which there, there may be married and it's probably great for some people. But for me personally, they gave me concrete info that yes, here's some foods and macros and nutrition that will be great for you as a former NFL player based upon your DNA. 
But yes, you were right that ketogenic diet would not be great for you. You would function better off of a truly balanced diet, which affirmed me and allowed me to go eat my cup of oats with my berries and protein this morning, copying a Nick Hardwick, uh, lose like a lineman meal that I saw on his Instagram, even <laughs> nice. before I started my weight loss journey that I still incorporate to this day. So there was a lot of good stuff in there. A lot of people will benefit from that. We'll put a link to all of Nick's stuff in the show notes. So check that out. I got a few more questions for you. You've already asked all of our answered our recurring questions. So now I just got some fun ones from me that I just want to know about you. I believe last time I asked you about your morning routine, but I'm, but I know you're like me and you're just constantly fine tuning it. There's also different seasons of life when the kids are in school, out of school, and that yes. changes. What's your current morning routine look like? Okay. So you're right. The seasons are changing because we're getting ready to come into summer. So I had stopped a gym membership for a while. I was just going up to our country club clubhouse and there's a, like a adequate gym in there. And I was waiting until the kids went off to school. I go for a walk with my wife. Well, I wake up in the morning, have 30 grams of protein. First thing, like that's non-negotiable. And is that protein powder? That's just, it was like a RTD, a ready to drink premier protein. And it was a cafe latte. So it's got 80 milligrams of caffeine in it. I normally pour that in my coffee just like my two cups. So there's 300 milligrams or so probably some people would be like, that's too much. But for me, it's not too much. And so pour that in there, uh, go for a walk with my wife, come home, go to the gym right away, have a pre workout with that. And then that was kind of my day is like be done by about 9am kind of physical activity and then get to work writing programs, uh, responding to clients and uh, getting on sales calls and things like that the kids are getting ready to get out of school. This is their last week. So I ended up picking up a gym membership at a place that's open 24 hours. And so, cause I, I just want to be here during the summer with them because we have that flexibility. I want to be able to play. I want to be able to take them places. And I don't want to be like, sorry, dad's got to go get his workout. So I actually wake up at four in the summer, which is tough, but get up, do that. And same thing, have a little protein, have a pre-workout, on my drive down to the gym. So it's a really fun, like it's a bodybuilding gym, like powerlifting gym. And so they've got all the toys, like everything right. you could imagine. It's super fun to be in there. It's like, what am I going to play with today? I just feel like a kid with his Tonka toys. So go there home by about six 30 and then have a cup of coffee with my wife. So it's just kind of reverse. Now, now I go on a walk after that kids wake up and be ready for the day. So that's morning routine. It it's just shifted slightly, but you got to be flexible to to roll with the seasons. Yeah, tell me, um, you've I, I've recently asked you about this personally, but explain to the listeners uh, quickly the importance of thirty grams of protein or getting protein in upon waking. Yeah, so I try to get thirty grams within thirty minutes of waking, and there's no real magic to it or anything like that. It's not like breaking the fast or whatever. It's like it's none of that. Basically, I describe it like if I think most people, most of my clients don't get adequate protein, which protein will keep you more satiated than anything. Protein and fiber, those two are super powerful for keeping you full longer, which means you're probably going to eat less calories. So if you're trying to maintain weight loss or trying to lose weight, having protein and fiber in your life in abundance is going to make it so much easier. I can't tell you how many clients I have that they're on 2,400 calories a day. And they're like, 
and they're 300 pounds and they're like, Nick, it's too much food for me. And I'm like, well, it can't be because you've been eating way more than 2,400 calories for a long time to get to 300 pounds at six foot tall. So what's happening is you're eating a lot of lean protein. You're eating a lot of plants. So you've got volume and weight in your stomach and protein. And those three things signal to your body that you've had enough to eat. You can push away from the table and you can move on for the day. So you've got mechanoreceptors in your stomach that when it gets distended, it gets bigger and sags because of the weight and the volume. It's going to eat to a certain weight and certain volume every day. Your body's kind of got this number in its head that it's looking for. So whether you eat five pounds of broccoli or five pounds of butter, you're, you're going to stop eating at some point, but it also is looking for the amino acid leucine, which is in protein. So when it gets adequate levels of leucine and protein, then it's, it's also going to say, Hey, we've had enough buddy. So you're good to go there. And then got to have some healthy fats in there too. Those are protein and fat are essential carbs, non-essential, but it doesn't mean we don't thrive on them as humans. We do. So I try to get the 30 grams in and I describe it like if you're trying to get your protein intake up, start early because later in the evening, what happens is people that are overweight oftentimes have snacking issues at night. It's because their body's looking for protein. So it ends up in the pantry in the bottom of an animal cracker jar. And I promise you there's no protein in the bottle bottom of that graham cracker or animal cracker jar. It just is not there. So if you get your numbers up early, it helps on the back end. And so that's why I really try to start early. And it's kind of like if you start out at in college with a 4.0 GPA in your first year, you can have a really bad three years and you can still end up at a 3.0. Yeah, I started I at a two I did seven. that. Yeah, I started at a two seven and then had to work the other way to get it back over a three five and back up close to a four oh. Um yeah, I I had an interesting first semester, but it did it didn't uh, <laughs> I got mono, which affected some things, but um that was probably a, a lifestyle uh diagnosis anyways. And so yeah, we uh I quickly learned that if I was now mono is taking me off the field, the way I'm um, the lack of sleep, the nutrition, everything else that, mm-hmm. you know, was kind of just built in a high school routine. Well, I'm taking care of my business, but I'm having my cake and eating it too over here. Okay. That, that's probably not going to work as far as getting grades, staying on the football field and all that. And two sevens, not the end of the world. I don't want to demean that. I just, right. that wasn't what I was accustomed up, uh, accustomed to up until that point. So and you, um, you're capable of better than a two seven. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, when I was, when I was deciding between Ivy league schools and one double a schools until I got that one scholarship offer, university of Louisville was probably like, wait, 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 what was all this Ivy league talk? <laughs> <laughs> so Yeah. Anyways, we made some we made some different decisions. Uh, speaking of decisions, I wanted to ask you just because, like I said, one step further than me along this process, uh, this journey of life, was it a tough decision to allow your boys to play football? At first, it was, but once they started playing, when we moved back to Indiana, we have in our community a very robust football program at our high school. And it it goes from high school, it goes actually from first grade through seniors, there's over 800 kids in the program. Are you at Carmel? We're in Westfield, just north of Carmel. Okay, so they're, they're our big rival. Gotcha. But 
it's it's a huge program and i was still a little nervous i'm like my goodness first and second grade football that's a little rednecky i mean we started in third grade and i thought that was early but here first and second grade because we're coming from california and they were trying there to ban it until you were in high school which i thought was a little extreme as well but then you go out and i'm coaching the boys and i mean most of these kids can't punch their way out of a wet paper bag right and none of them are big enough or have enough force to be able to deliver anything substantial. So the way I describe it is at those corporate events where you're in the big soccer balls and you're like, well, you're playing the game of soccer in those big inflatable bouncy deals. Yeah. That's kind of what the kids look like. They just, they run into each other. They fall down. Nobody knows how to bring their hips. Nobody's driving through a tackle. They are all kind of naturally, they rugby tackle naturally. They don't, most of them don't lower their head. So we have to go through this whole USA football certification, the heads up thing and all that to be a coach. And that's fantastic. But if you don't teach a kid to lower his head, he's not going to lower his head. They come in naturally and they tackle with their chest and they drag a kid down because I think they're smarter than what, what we give them credit for. Well, we were taught to put your head on the football to jar the ball <laughs> loose and then wrap up. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Get your head across the bow, right? It's right. Like, get your head across. Like, no, just these kids, they're, I mean, they, I, yes, I pay mind to it. And I was like, if you see it, get your head up. But most of them, when you teach tackling drills, and I always start, when I teach them, I teach them like from a yard away. So let's start as close as possible. The furthest we'll get is like five yards away, but I don't even like doing that. Like the old angle tackling drill to me, it's dumb. And you're, you're scaring more kids out of using good technique than you're teaching them. So I kind of like to increase resistance as the season goes along. So start them super close. So it doesn't hurt and they're not afraid. Then move them back just a little bit. Doesn't hurt. Not afraid. Move them back a little bit. And then they get comfortable with it. Then eventually they're open field tackling and, it's, uh, I mean, look, we've a couple years of coaching youth football and we've had in two years, we've had two kids hurt. One kid broke his pinky, but he did it at recess playing kickball when he was pitching and he drug his finger on the ground and another kid fell off the monkey bars. And so nobody got hurt actually playing football. Right. They're, they're their joints are really flexible. They don't hit hard enough. And it's, I don't know, it seems pretty daggone safe to me. Yeah, me too. And I read Merrill Hodge's book and I've had him on the podcast and we both know him and he yeah. has a lot of data that would back up those same claims. And, you know, I think for all the dads listening out there, know your son as well. There's a big difference between having an aggressive yes. son and a son that wants to go out and play than some of my buddies that never wanted to play and their dads put them in there. Now that's uh, borderline child abuse and you're living through that child, you know, go put them on a tennis court or a golf course or something, a baseball field, a basketball court. Football's not for every kid, but just understand your child as well. But uh, I think, considering my son's favorite thing to do right now is to get in his tidy white. We let him watch like WWE for five minutes one night. So he goes in our walk-in pantry, comes out to entrance music. He wants to wrestle me, but now he's four years old, but he's a pretty big four-year-old. He does these like running, jumping haymakers and hits me. Well, at first 
when he was like three, I was like, that's hilarious. Keep it up. I want you to be aggressive. Well, now he's getting bigger and stronger and occasionally he'll catch me. I'm like, that was a good one, buddy. That was, so <laughs> I, all that being said, I think like, he looks like he's going to be a brute. He will be, he will be. Yeah. He's a, he's the type you pull the reins on a little bit, which is, which is fine. And that's kind of how I was too. But um, I think to, to your point, don't put your kid in football to teach him to be tough because that's not going to happen. If your kid is tough and he's physical and he's aggressive, it's a great outlet. Yeah. But let's, let's not try to make him something that he's not because it's not going to happen. It's the wrong place. Find a different sport that's more appropriate. And that's totally fine. Absolutely. It's not for everybody. What's a book you've read recently? And we'll, we'll tie it into health and fitness just because that's, that's the main theme of this podcast. What's, what's one book recommendation you would give for, for those listening out there that you've read lately? Oh man. Oh gosh. So many good ones. Um, you can mention a couple if, if it's a, if it's appropriate. Yeah. It's so funny. Um, I read such ridiculous books, but I really like there's, a book called sapiens which is a brief history of humankind yep it's a really good one it's i mean i've been chipping away at this thing for quite a while i read like five pages at night before i go to bed but it just kind of takes you through like how did homo sapiens even come to exist and where did we come from and what were we like and how are we now so that's that's a really cool book uh the other one that i really like in the health and fitness space I think one of the best ones that I've read that settled a lot of like conflicting information coming in was called burn. And it's by a guy, a Duke professor named Herman Ponser. Is that around the 3000 calorie theory? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Explain, that, explain it for a second, because I was talking to my wife about this before we got on the podcast and I, I have not read the book. I've listened to you talk about it. Yeah. Um, or read stuff that you've written about it. So briefly explain the philosophy. Yeah. So the new theory kind of in that, as Herman explains it, and a lot of very smart doctors that I kind of subscribe to and follow their work that they more or less agree with. And from my experience, helping clients lose weight, it more or less holds up is that as a species we generally have a caloric constraint on how many calories we can burn per day. And yes, your watch may said you burn 4,700 calories a day, or you burn 900 calories in a workout. Maybe you did, maybe you went super hard. And I think for little blips, yes, we can overreach that caloric constraint of about 3,3200 calories per day on average. But when you do that too long and too often, what ends up happening, and you experience this as a freshman at Louisville, is when you go too long, too hard, you've got different silos that your your body pulls from its energy needs from. You've got your immune system, which requires its set of calories. You've got your hormonal functions, which require its own set of calories. And then you've got your daily energy expenditure, which is includes your workouts, your walks, Uh, laying around, sitting, fidgeting, doing all the things. So you've got multiple silos. Well, if you spend too many calories exercising, then 
you're going to disrupt your immune function. So what happens with a lot of high-performing athletes, upper respiratory infection, very chronic upper respiratory infection, because you're burning too many calories. So your immune function takes a dip or you stay in a sport too long. Like we did your home hormonal function. Boom. It takes a dip. You're not sleeping as well as you should. So all of these things are kind of covered by this umbrella of the caloric constraint. And so the theory is, and I found it to be true with a lot of my clients, is if you're eating above that 3,000 calories or at that 3,000 calories, you're going to be gaining weight over the long haul. So even if your watch says, hey, you burnt 900 calories playing tennis, like my wife plays tennis and a lot of her friends, you know, they're like, Oh, I burnt 900 calories. So they'll go to Mickey O'Toole's and have a plate of nachos and a couple of beers afterwards. It's like, well, you just undid all of that and more. So you really, to lose weight, you have to stay under the 3000 calories over the long haul per day. So that's kind of the theory. And then in general, like women would burn less than men, but he did this basically following tribal people in Africa who live like people used to live before the modern world came to be. And really what he found was sedentary people in a New York apartment style living burn the same calories per day, taking less than 5,000 steps as the Hadza people did in Africa that take over 20,000 steps on average per day. So the work doesn't really matter. We have a certain number of calories we're going to burn per day. So if you want to lose weight, you have to eat less than that amount of calories. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. And as I was trying to make sense of it to my wife, it's so I play pickleball in the mornings, a couple of days a week, and we play awesome. for an hour and a half and I warm up pretty good. I try to get my heart rate up before we even start so that it can get up easier. And my watch may say I burned 1100 active calories, but as I explained to my wife, well, then the rest of my day, like I'm not going to be as active. And on average, it's probably going to be around that 3000 mark again. And yeah. so even if I am crushing it there and truly I am burning, if, if it's correct, based upon my heart rate, if it's correct, then throughout the day, it's going to be really tough to then exert myself to a normal level that would mm-hmm. still probably put me at around 3000 calories. And I was joking with her and I'm not saying this facetiously based upon the size of her house. When we pack for trips, my wife is constantly up and down the stairs and all that. And she'll average like 20 something thousand steps a day <laughs> and not leave the house, which is hysterical. But I'm like, you get it because like if I played pickleball that morning, I'm not up and down the steps countless times. You are, yeah, right. and you're probably catching me throughout the day. Now, based upon my size, I probably gained more. All that being said, I see that in my life as well. And it made a ton of sense to me when I read a post about that on that you made and then heard you speak on it before. Yeah, that's, and think about when you go for a, a brutally hard workout, chasing calories, I, I call it calorie chasing, right? Like a lot of people go to their workouts, they want to go, you know, I got to do spin, and then I'm going to go here. And like, they never slow down in their workouts and focus on building muscle, which we can talk about. But when you go chase calories, all of a sudden, now you're exhausted for the day. And it's like, you're going to find your butt's going to find that couch at some point, you're going to hunker in for long haul. So my what I try to teach my people is we need to slow down during our workouts a little bit, and we need to focus on investing in our muscles. So when you invest in muscle, 
and you maintain it as you're losing weight or you're growing muscle. So this is a weird thing is like people come in, they're like, I want to lose weight. It's like, we may want to put on some muscle before we lose weight. So give me four weeks of muscle building. We're going to gain four pounds and then we're going to lose 15 really quick because you're investing in your muscle, which burns more calories naturally through the day. So even while you're sitting around or even while you're sleeping, it requires more energy to maintain muscle. So guess what? You get to eat more food. You get to have more calories during your day. It burns fat better. You know, you get to enjoy your carbs because now I've got a storage system for my carbohydrates where when people come in and it's like, lose the weight, it's like, okay, you're going to lose 12 pounds. And then you're going to wonder why you're skinny fat at the end of this. It's because you've taken all of the storage for the energy your storage system, and you've basically thrown it out. So now your body's going to build storage in the form of fat. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. Invest in the muscle. You got to invest in the muscle, slow down a little bit, and then stay active all day. That's just keep moving. Yep. 100%. I feel like as you know, I was on this, I've been on this weight loss journey and people are like, well, how do you want to keep losing weight? Because now I maintain probably the mid 240s and last year I was maintaining about 250 and I'm like well as time goes on I would like to keep going down but I'm not at a point in my life where I'm like I'm going to restrict everything and I'm going to drop 10 pounds real quick it's like okay over the next three years if I'm in the mid 230s like that's great like over time I should probably get a little bit smaller but it's been easier to maintain less weight in a very similar body fat percentage by reducing these killer workouts that would lead me to these big meals and then restricting super hardcore and then feeling like on the weekends, okay, well, that's going to be my cheat meal. And this is gonna be my cheat day. And it's like more, okay, well, I'm going to give myself some moderation. My workouts probably aren't quite as hard. Some of them, like I used to never consider a round of golf a workout. And now for the most part, I will, you know, that's the workout for the day. You're moving, you're moving. Well, before I was like, well, no, I should hit the gym for a class in the morning. Well, then I'm just, I have to binge eat throughout the day to even have the energy to go compete on a golf course because I can't just go play casually. So you've sucked all the energy out of your body. Your brain's actually the one that gets taxed so much when you're doing these really hard workouts. Yeah, your body's sore and it's like trying to replenish its glycogen stores, which is just your sugar. But then your brain's also depleted because it's had to put out. I mean, that's a stress, you know? So people stress eat. So when you're talking about it, I can't help but think, Life is like a wavelength, right? So you go up and down. The higher you go up, the further you have to come down because life is going to find its balance. Mm. So however far that pendulum's going to swing, it's going to come back equally the other way. So don't swing it so far one way or the other. Take your time like you are. Set goals for over the next three years, I want to get into the two thirties. I mean, imagine that like people don't have the patience for that to be like, no, I want to lose a half pound a week. Like that's not sexy. It's like, you know, I want to lose 30 pounds this year. It's like, all right, cool. But can we start with, you know, just staying where you're at and figuring out how many calories you're eating for a little bit. And then we can maybe take 300 calories out per day and then see if we can build that into your life. And then if we need to, we can either add more back or take more out. It's, you know, slow, steady gains and being very patient with yourself. And I think too, like very kind to yourself. I think that's one thing you were talking about celebrating victories earlier. 
a lot of people come in and with the mindset of like, I've got to be disciplined, which means I, I call it dadding yourself. Don't dad yourself. I want you to mom yourself. It's mm. all right, buddy. Hey, that's all right. Good win. Nice job. You woke up this morning. You had your protein. Great job. You had a salad. Great job. Like give yourself a fist bump when you even make the most marginal victories. Like, yeah, did it today. I did it. Got my workout in, even if it was 20 minutes, you know, and guys like us breaking the mold of, Hey, if I don't have an hour to work out, I'm not going like, right. Well, 20 minutes is better than zero, isn't it? So do a 20 minute one that you'll do six days a week rather than one, one hour one that is, well, you found the time for the one that week. It's like, no, no, no. Consistency over intensity in the long run wins every time, every single time consistency over intensity. Yep. You're 100% right. All right. Last one for me. This is what's next with Eric Wood. What's next for Nick Hardwick? And, and I want to know, what do you got planned for the summer? You guys got trips planned. What's what's coming down the line this summer for you guys? Yeah, we got, we got some fun coming. We're actually going to Canada. My boys are out of school uh, this week. So we're going to visit my in-laws in Canada. Uh, we are going to San Diego. I have one bucket list concert that I have to go to. So it's the Red Hot Chili Peppers are playing nice. at the Padres uh, Stadium in San Diego, Petco Park. So my wife got front row tickets for that. So I'll be... I don't normally get crazy, but I, I'll get crazy at that one. So right. that's like, that'll be the one. Uh, we're doing a dude ranch actually in Montana, which I've never been to Montana or done a dude ranch. So week of riding horses. Uh, what else are we doing? Probably get to Florida at some point. And yeah, just in general, a lot of lacrosse. My boys are into lacrosse big time right now. So we'll be doing that. And yeah, I'll just uh, be coaching clients and having fun. Awesome. Well, enjoy it. Enjoy the family this summer. Uh, I'll, I'll live vicariously following along and the, and the wood crew will have our own adventures this summer. Hopefully we can catch up soon in person. We will put links to the show notes for Nick on social media, follow along with him, very practical meals, lifestyle choices. You will benefit mentally and physically from following along with Nick. Nick, thank you so much for your time. You've impacted me more than you know in my life. I love you, brother. Thank you very much. Hey, Eric. Love you, too. Thanks so much. If you follow me on social media, you have heard me rave about my sauna from Sauna Space, and I only promote products that I personally use. I'm excited to let you know that I now have an offer for the listeners. Sauna Space allows you to rejuvenate at a cellular level with a sauna that harnesses the power of the sun. Sauna Space combines cutting-edge infrared technology with nature's ancient wisdom to help you find relief. What's that mean? You will get the many health benefits of infrared light, detox your body through the pouring of sweat out of your body, and you will be charged by the grounding mat that your feet will be sitting on. If you want that explained further, go to episode 94 of this podcast, and the owner, Brian Richards, will explain them for himself. Everyone that has purchased one of these has absolutely loved it. It's a vital part of my daily routine to optimize my body, and the benefits include improving your skin complexion, speeding up your metabolism, burning calories and fat, muscle relaxation, faster injury recovery, and detoxing your cells. If you want to tap into these benefits, use the link in the show notes and use code WHATSNEXT5 for 5% off your order and let Sauna Space help you take your health and wellness to the next level.